The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's a Super Bowl champion mailbag edition of the show. Cannot get better than that. Literally cannot get better than this. Celebrating with all of you who threw questions in there about this football game that the Kansas City Chiefs won. It, it, it doesn't get better than this. We might as well shut the show down. Honestly, uh, here to help me not shut the show down and continue doing this for the foreseeable future. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, welcome back to your home. How was your how was your trip? How was your weekend? Was it OK? Anything cool happen? Listen, all I'm going to say is when I left Carolina, I was just a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs. When I returned, I am a fan of the world Ooh. champions the Kansas City Chiefs. All of you beautiful people listening right now, you can take solace, you can take pride. You are a fan of the Super Bowl winning national champion, world champion NFL team, the Kansas City Chiefs, and you get to hold that near and dear to your heart. It may be Tuesday. You guys got the parade coming up by the time you're listening to this. You can be excited. You can still be amped up. You have six more days. I'm allowing you six more days to not do real life <laughs> and just be a fan. I think that's Maddie fair. Maddie said so. <laughs> Maddie said so. I think so. that's fair. Right, Craig Stout? Find yes. me on Twitter at Barley Hop. Yes. That's uh, six days. I'm, I'm going to take 14, but the rest of you get six. So, <laughs> Craig needs 14. <laughs> Desperately. We'll, we'll be good. We'll be good. I'm ready to go. Uh, so, okay. So this, this podcast is probably going to be going out uh, the morning of the parade. So we're not going to talk about players and their futures tonight. As far as we're not talking about Chris Jones. We're not talking about Sammy Watkins and whether or not they're going to be here next year. Let's let these men get through the parade. Let's all celebrate mm-hmm. uh, this football team and the players that make up the world champion Whew. Chills, Kansas City Chiefs. So that's that's where we're gonna go here yeah, later. It's in the not week. like I mean we're we're going to have plenty of time, guys. We're gonna have plenty. like weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of nothing to talk about. So we'll get there on that let's, stuff. Let's relish in this team, and then even later this week we might wind up doing. 
Actually, I, the, the plan tentatively right now is later in the week for the second episode of the week, we're going to probably start talking about some of those questions. I mean, let's, if let's, you watch my Twitter for tomorrow, you might get some early guesses and some stuff that might happen as tomorrow's mock day will definitely involve some free agent talk, unfortunately. See, there you go. So we'll talk about that later. But today, let's relish and discuss this football game. And I wanted to start off with just, I, I saw five really good, they're not questions for us to answer necessarily they're more i just call them hashtag good tweets so i'm going to read off these hashtag good tweets and then we'll get into the mailbag questions timbo slice 333 first they didn't let any of our players into the pro bowl and now i hear we have to pick last in each round what gives i think the nfl hates us i think you're right timbo go blue chief do you remember that time <laughs> this was with the this was with the chris farley gifts so maybe i should try to do the voice because we're in a good mood you should <laughs> do you, definitely should. do you remember do you remember that time Mahomes and the chiefs came back from 10, 10 points down in the fourth t- quarter to score 21 and answered and won the super bowl <laughs> yeah that was awesome that was really bad. Henry Barczyk, did trying to score on every play slow the Chiefs down in the first three quarters? God forbid Eric Bieniemy say that they're trying to make every play count. Oh my gosh. Lariska Pergite says, should the eventual statue of Mahomes that sits outside of Arrowhead be made of solid gold or should we keep it humble and make it out of bronze? The last one, Beards McFly, our guy, is 18 Super Bowl shirts too many or too few. Go live your life, Beards. Go do however many shirts you want. You can, you do whatever you want. You can live in a Slim Chickens for all I care too, buddy. Uh, that's a, you know, Anyways, mailbag time. Casey Dave, 85. Has it sunk in for you yet? No, quite simply. <laughs> no, it has not. <clears throat> and it's not just been because I got other stuff going on this week or anything like that. Like it didn't even really sink in that night fully. When we recorded, I I was excited. I was ecstatic. I had I, it was pure joy, but it still hadn't fully hit me what everything was. I woke up the next morning and it was weird because it well the Chiefs won, and now. It's done. Like, I'm not used to this. The Chiefs win. They keep playing. I got more stuff to talk about, think about it analytically, kind of do. So I still haven't quite overcome that yet and really kind of soaked in all of it and really allowed it to kind of sink in that we won the Super Bowl. It's it, We're <laughs> champions and nobody's going to take that away. And I, it, it's just weird. I, I'm sure I'll get there. It's going to be great. But yeah, I'm not quite fully sunk into that yet. It's still processing for me. I had a lot of travel to do coming back home. And normally I can sleep like a baby on airplane rides or in the car as the passenger. Like I can fall asleep in the staff. I can take fall asleep before a plane takes off and stay asleep until it lands. Even through all that, I couldn't sleep a single second coming home <laughs> all the way from Miami. I slept maybe three hours that night. I then got in the car, didn't sleep, flew, didn't sleep, just did that whole time. And I think that kind of helped me process through it. So I think I've gotten to that point. Like I understand the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl. They are the best team. It was amazing. I'm kind of now putting on a little bit of the analytical hat. I'm trying to break down the game a little bit. But when I start watching the game again, it's hard not to just be a fan even right now. I might have to watch it again completely all the way through just 100% as a fan before trying to do the quote unquote job part of it because it just it's hard to watch and try to figure out what's happening on that level and not just purely enjoy the moment. 
I I'm I find myself very glad that we all got to capture that moment together shortly after. I think that was I think that was good for me uh to some to some level, but it still hasn't completely sunk in either. Uh my wife, which is my wife, my wife has become a very big football fan throughout the last couple of years. Um we watched she watches the bachelor every monday night and last night she didn't watch the bachelor she wanted to watch a replay of the game and so we i i normally watch ku basketball we bypassed that we watched a replay of the game last night to just try to you know soak that in and i'm i'm not ready to put on the analyst hat completely uh and it's still a little bit like maddie said it's difficult too but um i i it's 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 still sinking in but the best part of being a world champion is the aftershock moments. I think I might have said that earlier. The the aftershock moments where it's May and you're sitting there and you're like, what? The Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Those are the best. They never get old. They never get old. Chief Boy RDG asks, did you see any plays early where we almost made something happen but stumbled or missed an open guy or a crucial block? I tip my hat to the 49ers uh, d- defense in the first three and a half quarters because they are great. I'm just curious if they had any missed opportunities. The 49ers defense was absolutely excellent. They top to bottom. They had a near flawless performance through three quarters. They Everything they did was working in the right thing. It was a great performance by the 49ers defense. And I'm sure later today or as the offseason goes on, we'll get more into that. The Chiefs, they started the game in the first half. They were fine. Yeah, they had the quick, you know, short first possession where Patrick Mahomes had a running back pass to the flat that got tipped and he missed the next one. So what? That happens they then drive down, scored a touchdown. They then come back down and they did miss. After picking up a fourth down with a nice little, one of their little option plays, they come back. They try to throw a wheel route to Damian Williams. He doesn't see the ball. They end up only getting a field goal. That 14 to 10 difference over being 10 to 10, I do think was pretty big. I think that could have been the edge of just getting to blow out the 49ers, especially because the Chiefs came back the next possession drove right down into the San Francisco 49ers territory, got to the 48-yard line, short run for two yards, second and eight, end around for minus six, then a screen play on third and really long, and that really stalled out the drive. The Chiefs had a chance at that point to get have 21 points on their four first-half possessions. Instead, they only end up with 10. I think kind of that play-calling gaffe there and that drive followed and the Damian Williams missing the ball, that kind of helped keep the 49ers in it in that first half. Yeah, and then kind of after that, it 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 went about downhill with the obvious errors. You know, Patrick Mahomes just basically hitting Fred Warner between the numbers on while he was sinking there, uh, throwing to Tyree Kill on what was probably supposed to be a sit route, and then Tyree popping the ball up, and just overall not really looking very crisp after that. Eric Fisher getting destroyed by Nick Bosa. I mean, overall the 49ers did what they needed to do outside of those instances that matt was saying there they they were really good guys like i mean i I know we tried to we talked a little bit about them and what they can do up front and everything and we kind of expected that the chiefs tackles were going to be able to play well well mitch schwartz did eric fisher did not he was he was really really bad and so was ldt so i mean I think that realistically that kind of destroyed the Chiefs' ability to call some of their plays, some of their longer developing things, and it kind of limited what they could do. 
they didn't have a true drop the entire day, did they? I don't think they did. I don't believe so. I don't believe. I mean, they unless had you're a, calling Tyreek's a, a drop, but I mean, no, it wasn't a drop. Never, I mean, it was yeah, just a, it was, was a, behind a low yeah. throw. Yeah. You know that that opportunity. You know, I think that the, the opportunity to Damien was the big one, though. I think that really mm-hmm. was the big one. That was a pretty crucial play, and th- and that cost them four points. I mean, they they didn't really rebound much after that, but um, I overall, I mean, that was the big one. Fifty man, fifty bear pig asks, why did the Niners have so much success on end arounds? Did Kansas City make a more concerted effort in the second half to deny them? The reason the Niners had so much success on end arounds is because the Chiefs were trying to stack some of the front side stuff against the outside zone. So they were aligning a little bit more to the strong side. They were motioning late, particularly Kyle Shan, and it worked early. Kyle Shanahan saw this, saw Debo Samuel's first run there and kind of took advantage of that. Now, the backside defensive end was doing a good job setting the edge. I think the very first one that everybody noticed there, Frank Clark did a great job setting the edge and turning Debo Samuel back inside. It's just the Chiefs linebackers were biting on everything up front and they weren't able to, you know, keep that backside gap contained. They they could have kept running those to Debo Samuel. They it was open. I, I'm not sure that the Chiefs would have ever been able to successfully adjust to that because they were so concerned with playing an outside zone run, inside zone run, trying to protect all of that, that the end around was just gonna get them. Because the Chiefs linebackers were poor. They were biting on all the action. They made it look like power, made it look like counter, you know, and then would throw that end around in there. So I, I just think that Kyle Shanahan had their number a little bit, but the problem you get when you run a reverse, if it gets blown up once, you are way, way, way behind the stick. So they didn't want to lean on that too terribly much. All it takes is essentially one guy reading it. Like there's only so many different ways you can window dress and end around or reverse before a single player in the Chiefs defense sees it, identifies it and jumps it. That's how you get the McColl Hardman negative six play that I was just talking about. That happens one time for the 49ers. You might as well kiss that possession goodbye the way Jimmy Garoppolo was playing. So yeah, they had a lot of success with it, but you can't rely on that as like your main way to move the ball. So as the second half went on, Kyle Shanahan just didn't probably feel like he could call that same play over and over again and maintain a successful offense for an entire drive. Yeah, he might have though. He might have. Uh, I one of the things I was really impressed by. I just some of the ways they were able to get into those reverses, though. Uh, they kind of had like a return motion, like a return block from George Kittle on one of them, where uh, he he like showed like he was coming around and then blocked, came around back off the end to to help lead block, and some of those kind of things I thought were just exceptional designs. Um, but yeah, and uh, he might not have been able to get to him. I was kind of a little bit tongue in cheek, but I mean, who knows. Brett R. Brett R. Four. Sorry, Brett R. Four. My fault. Should the Chiefs have gone to the hurry up offense earlier to wear down the pass rush? The Chiefs came out going pretty quick. I mean, it wasn't the hurry up, but they were getting lined up on the line of scrimmage with twenty to twenty five seconds almost every single play. Those first couple drives, they were going fast. They were trying to make the 49ers pass rush get a little gas. It worked a little bit. 
I do think when they went to that full hurry up, it helped even more. But more so than tiring out the pass rush, I think it just kind of pressed the 49ers to play a little bit more stagnant coverages and not mix up. They were mixing their coverage up a lot throughout the game. They were not being stagnant at all. As the game got later, the Chiefs started going quicker. It makes it hard to rotate between man, man free with the blitz, quarters with a poach coverage, cover three with that buzz week. They, they were making it hard to cycle through all that stuff by going hurry up, and I think that got them a few more favorable looks. Yeah, and that's exactly what it was. They were really early in the play clock. But conversely, you you can't go to that too early when your defense is getting run on. When there are sustained drives and the opposition is killing you over and over and they're, you know, able to run, 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 run. You don't want to go hurry up too often. You don't want to force your defense into more snaps when they're already getting worn down by a good running offense. So I I do think that while... Andy Reid probably wanted to go a little bit faster. He definitely needed to play, you know, within the game there to kind of make sure that his defense didn't get too tired because then they had the energy at the end of the game to help close that out. Yeah, and just because they weren't playing with ultimate tempo doesn't mean that they weren't helping themselves slow down, you know, the the Niners a little bit and, and wear him down a little bit because they were, you know, they were moving around a lot. They were moving players a lot. They were stretching sideline to sideline a little bit more than they were just as vertically. So, I mean, they, they, they had a lot of things going in there to try to, to slow that thing down and get them thinking a little bit too. Like a lot of the option plays, just making them think too. That's not necessarily physically wearing them down, but that's slowing them down a little bit too as well with some of those kind of things because they were... I mean, Patrick Mahomes was involved in the run game. I mean, he was, they were running those options and he was running the ball a little bit. And, you know, that, that helps. Uh, we're going to take a break and we'll be back right after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are continuing questions in a Super Bowl championship edition of the AP Mailbag. Derek Vreeland asks... Uh, who will go down in history as the better chief safety? Eric Berry, the emotional leader, or Tyron Matthew, the vocal leader? This is a tough one. I wanted to wait till after the break. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is really, really, really tough just because it's so early for Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew has a ring. Tyron Matthew helped change the or completely change the culture on defense he was voted the team mvp by his peers on the super bowl winning team guys Mm -hmm. that cannot be understated that's not to try and take anything away from eric berry but tyron matthew was the heart and the soul of this defense and he was able to make that translate to so many players on the defense and he was able like i've said multiple times he was able to be the coach on the field for steve spagnolo he is part of the reason why the defense Short up those last three drives, yelling at the sidelines, getting those guys together and everybody playing to the level that they needed to to close out that game. It's only one year, though. 
if we see this Tyron Matthew next year, then I think that two years back-to-back like that, unequivocally, Tyron Matthew is going to go down as a better safety. Man, I don't even think this is a difficult question anymore. And it it sucks to feel like you're constantly piling on Eric Berry because he had a great career for the Chiefs. He had an incredibly difficult life while he was with the Chiefs through real injuries, through battling through cancer. He deserves everyone's respect. And I think the farther we get removed from last year, he will get more and more of it back. Tyron Matthew was the defensive factor, the guy on defense that made this team win the Super Bowl. He was the best player on this defense if you account for everything, not just the play, but their attitude, their leadership. He was that guy. It's been 50 years since the Chiefs won a Super Bowl. Without him, even with prime Eric Berry, who if you want to argue is a better talent, that's fine. I don't think without Tyron Matthew, they win that Super Bowl. That's why it has to be him. Yeah, I, I, I don't... This, I'm not trying to pile on Eric Berry because, I mean, what an exceptional career he had. What a remarkable story. And it's something that we all still have talked about in the last six months. I mean, it's it's he's special. However, I think rings talk. And that's something that's just prevailing for me in a lot of things. Like, I'm having a lot of conversations right now. Rings talk to me. And what Tyron Matthew did as a change agent for this organization, for this culture, for this defensive culture that lacked it last year, I think is critical to the to the to the you know to the Chiefs' success. They don't win a Super Bowl without Tyron Matthew. They probably do. They even do. They even beat the Texans. I don't think so. I think it's an early exit. They needed Tyron Matthew to help flip this culture. That's how important he was to this. And a ring talks. Even if it's a short amount of time, a ring talks to me. Benjamin D. Foss asks, Pat rightfully won the Super Bowl. Uh, uh, MVP, aside from him, who would you name as offensive and defensive NFL MVPs for the world championship can or world champion Kansas City Chiefs? P.S. My roommate and I are driving from Lexington to KC today to catch the parade tomorrow. That is so awesome, Ben. I'm so jealous, Benjamin. Um, I man, who'd you name as offensive and defensive? Well, I mean, Tyra Matthews, the defensive MVP, and it's not close there. Offensive, I, I. I don't want to say Pat because I think that that's too obvious. I'm going to go Mitchell Schwartz. I think Mitchell Schwartz started this year a little bit iffy. We knew about the back issue in training camp. We knew that he was starting a little bit slower. He looked a little bit his age. But my goodness, down the stretch, he was outstanding and showed how lucky the Chiefs were that the Cleveland Browns cut him so many years ago and just allowed him to come to Kansas City and be a lockdown right tackle for so many years. So I'm going to go with Mitchell Schwartz. Uh, I don't know if he's asking for the season or for the game. I think he's, I think he's asking for the game. And so for the game, oh. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Sammy Watkins. I think uh, outside, I mean, I, Sammy Watkins was such a steady preven, presence throughout this entire playoffs, and it's really fun to see. I think that that play at the end, roasting Richard Sherman, getting uh, what he had, he had nearly a hundred yards on the day after that catch. 
he was critical to the success of this football team and critical to them winning a Super Bowl. Uh, I'm going to go with Sammy Watkins, uh, and I'm teeing it up for Maddie offensively. <laughs> See, behind the curtain, I dropped myself to the back of this order because I didn't think either one of these guys are going to pick playoff Sammy Watkins. And, and if they picked him, that was okay because I felt really good about my backup choice, Mitchell Schwartz. So here I am <laughs> sitting here. I even misread the question. Here I am sitting here. And it would be unfair of us not to mention that Damian Williams had an amazing game. He was absolutely excellent. Amazing. He was one of the best three, four players for the Chiefs on offense. I think it's wild to think that he should have got MVP over Patrick Mahomes. But he's definitely in that air of with Sammy Watkins, with Mitchell Schwartz in terms of impact in that game. Without him, it's a lot harder for the Chiefs to have won that game. He played a huge part. Defensively, I think that Craig actually nailed it, even though he read the question wrong. I still think Tyron Matthew was the most important defensive player out there, even though he was playing out of his position a little bit. He made some game-saving tackles to start this game. He made three open field tackles in the first quarter, I believe it was. They all went for 10-plus yards, so they don't look good. If he doesn't make those, they go for a lot more. But I'm going to say Bashad Breeland because just like Tyron Matthew, he made some huge play-saving tackles early in the game. He even battled through injury and made another play later in the second half when the Chiefs excuse me, were making their comeback. Without him, and his big plays were at the line of scrimmage or incompletions. Without him, I really think the Chiefs might have been in a pretty big hole had this come to start off the game. I, I realize I didn't go defense either, so uh, put me down for Chris Jones. I mean, no, that's brand. That's your brand, Chris Jones. With uh, wait, what's my brand, Maddie? Offense. <laughs> no defense. <laughs> Chris Jones defensive MVP for me stud Beck 30 asks does a guy like Tyron Matthew get in the ring of honor just based on this year he's the unquestioned leader on a Super Bowl winning defense but is one year enough yes I think he should go in the ring of honor rings matter being the MVP of the team when they win the Super Bowl matters I don't he could shut it down and I'd still put him in the ring of honor I don't pay as much attention to this stuff as some other people do. So somebody would have to fill me in on like what the Chiefs usual criteria is. And I know Super Bowl rings are not a super common place for us, but I don't know about <laughs> there, there is no precedent. <laughs> the nineteen sixty nine team is basically all in the ring of honor, yes. Okay. There you go. So then absolutely. I was gonna say, even if he just plays out this contract at roughly the same level and ends even with one ring, then yes, he obviously won't because the three, four, five, seven, that's what LeBron said, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, but no, I would I would put him in if that's kind of their precedent, and I think he in any stadium should be at that point if he did what he did for this team and got them a Super Bowl ring and then played out you know two three years with the team. This is the start. I, I, we kind of talked a little bit about it uh, at the end of the last pod. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo's defense is being installed still. Like he he admitted in the lead up to the Super Bowl, he was like, "Listen, we Uh-oh. we still aren't." playing well like none of us are sitting down and watching the tape and going boy this was a good performance which i mean if you go back and you look at those games yeah there's obvious holes there's obvious errors they are making the most of what they've got tyron matthew is going nowhere like he has endeared himself (laughs) to kansas city kansas city is going to continue to pay him a lot 
of money to stay here and be yep. this type of player and this type of leader. Tyron Matthew made Dan Sorensen come out of his shell. That's how good Tyron Matthew is in the is locker room. Is that Dan Sorensen coming out of his shell? That's <laughs> pointing to your head awkwardly? Hey. Man, I'll tell you what. When was the, that's the only time Dan has ever celebrated in the history of anything. I'm certain of this. You know, he is getting like a lot more like aggressive with the eye black too. Like he oh, looks, he, he looks, he looks much more intimidating with like the you know like the ultimate. Is he trying to look song. like a honey badger? Yeah, he's trying to get that championship swagger, man. Yeah, but I mean, I I just think that yeah, he's gonna stick around. He's going to be that guy. I think, yeah, I think that he's going to get into the ring of honor. But again, not just one year. He's got to do it more than one year. If he gets beat up and hurt for the next two years and doesn't play again, they're not probably going to put him in the ring of honor for that. So he's got to repeat. But again, two, two years at this level, now you're in. You can't tell the story of the Kansas City Chiefs organization with Tyron Matthew hashtag championship swagger. Justin D. Spear, in the next 10 years, how many times will the Chiefs be the preseason Vegas favorites to win the Super Bowl, Maddie? Now, I know the people on the podcast can't hear me, but just imagine Patrick Mahomes after throwing a touchdown pass against the Chicago Bears where he counts <laughs> to 10 walking off the field. That's all I got. A 10. It's a 10. A 10. <laughs> you guys took all the good 10 references. <laughs> I don't I don't have a gif or anything interesting to say. Well, I, do you know what, Kit? If somebody would to leave two five-star reviews for us, which we would greatly appreciate, that would add up to a perfect 10. What you know? Perfect. Yeah, I I think I think 10's not out of the realm of possibility though. Like, honestly, that's that's legitimate. Curtis Clarice asks, do you think last year's playoff game against the Patriots is a blessing in disguise? If the Chiefs go on to win, they may have kept Bob Sutton and Ford instead of getting Frank Honey and Spags. So I hate uh, the idea uh, uh, of losses being good things, but I think there's some validity to this. I think it, I think it, I don't know if I want to call it a blessing in disguise, but I think, you know, I think the Chiefs might have won a Super Bowl last year, frankly, even with all the issues, if, if they had it, uh, or if they, if they had beat the Patriots. But I, I do think it was a blessing to some degree, uh, just because everything is set up for them to be a dynasty now. I really believe that. As long as this core is here, as long as the coaching staff is here, I think they are well positioned to make a serious run at multiple Super Bowls over the next five years. Yeah, that's the tricky part because I think if they go play the Rams in the Super Bowl, I think they win. I think the Rams were just completely unready for that level of the stage. I think you saw this year that Andy Reid very much was ready for it. I think the Chiefs win another relatively high scoring game. But that's the issue. If you win back-to-back 40-point shootouts to win the Super Bowl, I still think a defensive coaching staff change may be in order. Like That wouldn't be unprecedented if you have to score 40 points to win. I just don't know if you're going to get Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew. You might just get the coaching staff. And like Ken said, I think the Chiefs are much better set up for the future, the way this happened now, to get some of these 
other players out, new players in with this coaching staff, they're set up to be at the top here for the foreseeable future. Now, I think that the Chiefs are going to make a move at safety regardless because uh, Eric Berry, you know, there was a lot of questions about him. Ron Parker, they obviously weren't sticking around with. They, they let him go. So I think that they were going to address safety. We might have seen Honey Badger on this team and they were not going to pay Justin Houston $21 million next year or last this past year. So they were probably cutting him too. Now D Ford probably would have stayed, but we might have seen Frank Clark added. But I don't think that either one of those guys is the same player without Steve Spagnuolo and him being creative and his ability to get the most out of his guys, being able to bring in Brendan Daly, who all the man does is win rings, apparently. My goodness. Love to see it. Sam Madison. Like, we don't get uh, Dave Merritt. We don't get all of these guys in-house to sort of transform the way things are done bring in new techniques, bring in a new way of looking at things. So even if they had added Frank and Honey Badger, they might have gotten a little bit better, obviously, because of the quality of the player. But I don't think that we see the kind of impact and that we certainly don't have the sort of outlook that we have now. They're not winning the Super Bowl without Steve Spagnuolo this year. I can't wait to hear Dave Merritt top his next pre-Super Bowl speech. It's going to be great. Be beautiful. Vitamin J. And we kind of answered this question a little bit, but let's stretch ourselves a little bit. Who was the player on defense besides Chris Jones, Frank Clark, and the Honey Badger that made the biggest impact on the game? Derek Nottie. Derek Nottie was a monster. Guys, I, I don't know if you have seen the Brian Baldinger clip. Uh, Derek Nottie Late in the game there, there was a five-yard run on first down. It seemed like a very routine five-yard run. Derek Noddy moves laterally, gets knocked down to one knee, and pops back up, gets his arm out, swims back over the dude, gets his arm out, and brings down the running back right there. Guys, the linebackers are completely out of position. Chris Jones is playing the pass on first down. It's They... It was a blown play that Derek Noddy single-handedly stopped. And then the 49ers passed on the next two downs and punted the ball away. Derek Noddy was a very key cog in making this defense work for the Super Bowl. I'm going with him. That play Craig's talking about, you can freeze frame it. At one point, a defensive tackle is the only player for the Chiefs in a three-gap window on the field. So that's the A-gap, B-gap, or B-A-B-A here. He's right, the only guy there. The no defensive tackle. There are four blockers. Only one of them is occupied, and he makes the stop because Chris Jones has circled out somewhere else, and the linebackers are gone. He is by himself in like 10 yards of field and makes the one play that possibly saved the game. I, though, am going to go with Kendall Fuller. I think... Kendall Fuller was playing great deep. He was almost, he was perfect in coverage. He made two good pass breakups. One was an interception. One was a good pass breakup. He stepped in and played safety at the drop of a dime because Juan Thornhill got hurt. He was one of the reasons that the Chiefs were able to stop the 49ers, the the team that actually had the most explosive plays on offense on a ratio section. He stopped them from having big plays. He was the guy that did it. So I'm going Kendall Fuller. Craig went there. Dottie, what do you have? Uh, so, 
Well, I had much like Maddie <laughs> earlier. I had Derek Nadi. I had Kendall Fuller queued up. And this is I'm not trying I'm not trying to diminish the defense or diminish a Super Bowl champion, but that might be the list, right? I mean No, we haven't mentioned Frank Clark. No, but Frank Clark's one of the ones that we can't talk about. Oh, is that what he, Oh yeah, he was Chris, out there. Sorry. Chris Frank and Badger. Yeah, never mind. Bashad, we already talked about Bashad. We already talked about Naughty. We already talked about uh Kendall Fuller. Honestly, I think you know the linebackers for the linebackers had a really really bad day. Really rough. Really bad day. So much so that after this now we're kind of talking a little draft here. I I've been a little bit anti round one linebacker for the majority of this uh, season so far, but after getting the ring and securing the securing the ring, I'm just like, screw it. Just go take a linebacker. Help fix this abomination that is happening in the second level of this defense. It was honestly, I think you would have looked back and been frustrated at the inability of some of the more athletic players to earn the trust of this defensive staff. Uh, like, like a Dorian O'Daniel, like a Darren Lee, if the Chiefs had won this football game. They were very, very ungood. I'm not going to say bad anymore because they're Super Bowl champions. They weren't up to the championship level, but they were because they won it. Um, so I don't know. I Let's give it to Ben Neiman for getting that QB hit. <laughs> it's funny for a game where the Chiefs only gave up 20 points. I think you're kind of right though. Like I don't think you could really point to any other defensive player really standing out very often besides the guys we talked about. Like Mike Pennell, Dan Sorensen, Colin Saunders, they've all had good moments. Rashad Finch, Travis, they've all had good moments for the Chiefs. And even in the playoffs, this game, though, none of them really stood out as doing a whole lot to help despite the Chiefs holding up 20 points. I think like my takeaway from this football game on the defensive side was it's awesome. Spags is awesome. There's some good pieces in place. They could be a lot better if they almost completely overhaul their back seven. Everything but the safeties like needs a lot or of work. Had- I think Charvarius Wards is Charvarius Wards probably locked in. Uh Juan, Badger. They need help at corner. They need help at nickel. And they need like three new linebackers. Honestly. I mean they're not going to do that, but they need a ton of work at the linebacker position. Uh Kay Gumminger asks, how good was Veach this year? Uh, here's this just list making the tough call to cut the sympathetic chiefs legend. Oh, I should have read it. That, that Eric Berry, uh, lots of additions to a contender coming into the year. Uh, depth was tested after injuries to everyone in this draft. Brett Veach had an outstanding 2019. And we kind of talked about it a little bit on the post game show. I think he did a lot of great things and the things that we were concerned about, you know, the things that we critiqued him about didn't matter because they won a Super Bowl. I mean, we stressed about the cornerback position the entire year. They they didn't have to address it. They didn't go trade for... They didn't go acquire Jalen Ramsey. They didn't need to. They won a Super Bowl. I think what he did to rebuild this group in one year with the additions along the front with Emmanuel Ogba, guys like him, Mike Pinnell in the middle of the year... Uh, mid-season ads even. Like, I think they did an outstanding job. 
uh, Damone Harris, even just like, I mean, there's like a lot of guys that like, and I'm not saying Damone Harris is a key linchpin or anything like that. But what I'm saying is I think even the small subtle moves where they needed to find somebody and they had to really do due diligence to try to find someone to be productive. They were still creative and smart to find guys to help contribute and, and provide enough you know, and, and Pinnell and, and Damone Harris and guys like that. Then you talk about the big acquisitions with, with Matthew and Badger uh, or Matthew and, and Frank Clark. And then, and then an exceptional draft where you got starters. I mean, Juan Thornhill is going to be a starter long-term. Uh, McCole Hardman made significant impacts year one in like seven, eight games this year. Like half the games, he made a big splash play that helped them win a football game. There's a lot to like about about what Brett Veach did, and it gives you hope for the future. If he has another 2019 like he did 2020, this Chiefs, the, team, the Chiefs are going to build a dynasty. Like it's going to happen. I've been very critical of Brett Veach. The reason I'm very critical of Brett Veach, any players, the coaches ever, is because I would like to win every single game. I would like to see them win the Super Bowl every single year. They just did it. So, I mean, any critiques I may have had obviously are for no good reason this year because Brett Veach was simply that good. Like He cut guys that had been Kansas City Chiefs, you know, for life, fan favorites, hard guys to move on from. He then brought in guys that a lot of people argued weren't as good as what they were getting paid, weren't worth what we gave up to get them. He said, no, we're changing the character of this team. We are adding new leadership. We are doing what Steve Spagnuolo tells us that he wants. He did that. He then went into a draft, made some picks that not every team, not every person agreed with. They all worked out. Even Darwin Thompson had some flashes. He looks like he's promising as long as he can figure it out. Rashad Fenton had some very good games. He looks like he should be a part of the plan going forward. I mean, you even look at the special teams. Dorian O'Daniel was making plays on special teams in the Super Bowl. Byron Pringle led the entire uh, either team in special team tackles. These are guys that he was part of bringing in before. Everything came up Brett Veach this year. Every single thing came up Brett Veach. He was hyped after the Super Bowl. He should be. And like Kent said, if his drafts and offseason resemble this past one, this team is going to be very difficult to slow down. And here's the funny part. We didn't even, we haven't even mentioned Brett Veach's arguably best move of the year at the point that he made our best two moves of the year. The first one trading Carlos Hyde for Martinez Rankin. Ooh, baby. Almost certainly is going to be on this team through the rest of his rookie contract. I love They have a cost controlled thing. And the best one, trading Eric Murray for Emmanuel Ogba. Emmanuel Ogba got hurt, but Emmanuel Ogba was a monster. Through the middle of that season when the Chiefs needed somebody who could rush the passer, he was one of the few guys that was getting home regularly. I expect that the Chiefs are going to try and retain him. Guys, Alex Okafor is on this team still. Got potential to have a big year next year if they decide that they want to stick around with him. They got some lottery tickets in Tim Ward, uh, Darius Harris. Like, uh, there, there's a few guys that might stick around here that all of a sudden, whereas before we were looking at some of the moves that Brett Veach had made and saying, oh, well, you know, maybe he'll make it. That guy will be okay. That guy will be okay. Man, anybody that he touched in 2019, bring him back. 
Let's see it. Yeah. Because frankly, he's he's been spot on. So we might see some of these, you know, lower key additions or guys that got hurt or guys that maybe didn't factor in the same way, like Colin Saunders, that mm-hmm. needs some seasoning, needs some development, that all of a sudden going forward, we might be looking back at 2019 and just going, I, I don't know what he did, what he was on to make all of these moves, but put him on it again. Yeah, I, I, you've got to feel very encouraged with where where this team is going, and he's got a lot of tough decisions to make, guys. This is going to be a very challenging year, and it's going to be it's going to be uncomfortable for some people. But I have confidence in this group that what decisions they make are going to be the right ones. They they everything is coming up. Brett Veach now he is just he's on fire. And I'm very curious to see what this draft looks like, what free agency like looks like, what kind of decisions they make to help build a freaking dynasty. Because that's what we're all here for. We got the taste. Now we want multiple. Can't win. You can't win multiple if you don't win one. They got the hardest thing out of the way. Chief Lutz 11 asks, uh, this one was big, but will it make the upcoming seasons less exciting? I don't think so. I, I understand, you know, there's there's this, you know, climbing climbing the, to the mountaintop and trying so hard to get there and wanting so bad for your team to, to get there that there might you might feel like there's a little bit of a letdown. But I think once you get into the swing of things, once the draft hits, once free agency hits, once you kind of start seeing a vision for what next year could look like, you'll start getting that itch to see you know, this team continue to sustain success. You know, at this point now too, you're watching, you're watching Patrick Mahomes build his legacy. You know, it's not just one now. It's, it's getting greedy. It's seeing what the sky's the limit. You know, it's seeing if he can go chase Tom. He got the, he, he did the hardest thing and everything is going to become easier now because of that. First, you got to catch Eli Manning. You got to catch him, Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger. Like you got guys in the list, you got to check them off. I mean, for me, I'm already incredibly excited for draft season coming up. So I know there will be no letdown going into next year's regular season. Like that feeling of watching not only the playoff games, but just that watching the Super Bowl with the Chiefs win. Maybe the emotions next year won't exactly match that because it won't have been my whole life not getting there, not getting to see it. But the feelings during the game, the emotional roller coaster, the highs and the lows, they're still there. Like that's not going to go away just because we won one last year. I will never be sitting there in a game, even a regular season game saying, oh, we won a Super Bowl last year. So this isn't that big of a deal. And I'm not saying that's what you were asking. Just I think once the games start going, once the bullets are flying, it doesn't matter at all what happened last year. I will be insufferable. As long as the Chiefs continue winning, because you can't tell me nothing right now about <laughs> what my team's doing. That, no, no, I'm excited. I want to see these guys again, because like I said earlier, Spags doesn't think this is built. He's going to build more. I want to see this defense get better. I want to see this defense continue to grow. We know Mahomes is still going to continue to grow, and I'm I'm so excited to see what that even looks like. That's unfathomable to me, but that's what's going to happen. And I think Andy knows it too. I I know that for a little while, a while ago, there were some little quiet rumblings that maybe Andy Reid, if he got one, maybe wouldn't come back. Guys, he's coming back. 
because he sees what this can happen. He sees that it's not just, I got my one, I can go on to the Hall of Fame. Every one of those guys to a man in the locker room, as soon as it was over, said, this is when the dynasty starts. This is when it starts. This is, you know, it it wasn't them relishing in the fact that they just won the Super Bowl. They were already talking about number two. It wasn't a one-year build. They want this thing to keep going and be sustainable and be one of the greatest teams of all time. I'm I'm ecstatic. I'm ready to see it. I'm so excited to see it, and I I think that everybody else should be too. Maybe it takes an maybe it takes the edge off a little bit. Maybe the losses mm-hmm. don't hurt as bad. Maybe it helps even things out. Maybe there's not as many peaks and valleys and emotional roller coasters. Maybe maybe the ride becomes a little bit more calm because you know the Chiefs already have one in the bank. But I I don't think it's going to change all that much. I, it might be better for your health, honestly. It might be better for all of our health that they've won a Super Bowl. Real quick, five-star review question. Bobo5252 asks, Now that we are the champs, when can we expect the draft guide? We are working on that. We are getting ready for that. You're going to get it in early April. You're going to see pre-orders here in the next couple weeks. We can't wait to show you that. We can't wait to start talking about and un- unraveling the offseason with you. And that's what we're going to try to start doing a little bit of later this week. We'll catch you later.